Damn, son, where'd you mint this? Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Chuck Anderson coming to you on July 11th. Uh, just finished up recording with John and Danny from Party Dow. Uh, had a really, really uh, enlightening, fairly dense, but very approachable, I would say, conversation with them about what they're building um, with Party Dow and their newest product, Party. Covered a lot of really, really interesting stuff. And, you know, it was kind of one of those conversations at the end. I found myself very enlightened and understanding of what they were building and and why they were building it in a way that I don't think I had grasped uh, or or, uh, understood at all. (laughs) Not not that I didn't understand at all, but the use cases of what they are building with PartyDAO, you know, uh, that I had seen was mostly, you know, fractionalized NFTs and sort of group buys um, for fun, things like that. And really interesting to hear, you know, from two people who have a lot of conviction in building uh, tools for other people to use uh, through, you know, a bear market, through downtimes, and and kind of staying really, um, you know, engaged in a belief uh, despite you know what's happening in in a market, um, despite the sort of current trends of behaviors, and just really sort of believing that uh, you're building for things that people don't even know that they need or want yet. Um, so I, I, I really had a good time, um, just kind of learning and and listening, um, to these guys talk super smart, you know, really, uh, just kind of a unique perspective on how they both approached crypto and, and why they got into it. Um, that really just painted a full circle picture that I, I really enjoyed. So, um, yeah, this is episode seven and, uh, yeah, just a little like housekeeping, um, you know, this has been a blast uh, doing this this show so far um, and want to just take a moment to thank um, the team at, at Zora to uh, thank, you know, everybody who kind of on the back end has helped support this show um, and this this effort to bring, you know, fun, hopefully like very casual, down to earth, but enlightening. And, and, you know, I hope to an extent educational without being overbearing or like luxury or anything, uh, conversations to people. Um, we're working, uh, pretty diligently on getting these conversations and, and sort of more in a traditional podcast, you know, placement, um, meaning like Spotify and Apple podcasts so that you're not beholden to listening to them just in a browser tab on the Zora mint page. So that'll be happening soon. Uh, if it isn't already happening by the time this comes out, I'm not sure yet, but that is uh, certainly in the works and we want more people to be able to listen to these more easily, um, more accessible, the better is is definitely my goal. So uh, yeah, thank you for uh, tuning in. Um, I really hope you enjoy this one with John and Danny from Party Dog. What's up? How are you guys? Good. Uh, What's going on, Chuck? Actually, really quick before we start, Danny, I don't know if you did this already, but you might want to go offline on Discord because my Discord was popping off in the party down channels and uh it makes an annoying noise so just a quick uh, psa we won't edit that out for the party down discord members you were Great. you were si- you were silenced um just so you know <laughs> <Cool. Awesome. laughs> um yeah <laughs> ben, ben, thanks for the quick yeah thanks for thanks for the tip um and then uh yeah where are you guys both coming to us to us from here. We got John and and, and Danny um, from Party Dow. although I'll be recording uh, an intro to set you guys up a little bit more. But where are you both coming to to us from on the uh, interview here? We're, we're both in Brooklyn, New York. Okay. Not in the same office, though? 
No, we're, we're, we're remote. We, we do meet up once a week, but uh, yeah, so today we're, we're in our own respective spaces. I didn't know if uh, you guys were like facing each other right now and I just couldn't tell, you know? <laughs> no, uh, we're both at home today, but yeah, like okay. I said, uh, usually once or twice a week we, we work together in person. So it's not all just sitting at home. Okay. So I guess to uh, start us out here, um, you know, we've interviewed, you know, we've done six interviews so far and it's been a range of you know, visual artists, um, you know, kind of more on the entrepreneurial side, um, just kind of straight like culture side, like talking to someone like Trevor um, from FWB, uh, you know, Maria from JPEG, which is a, you know, really wonderful conversation. Um, and I think what I've discovered is what's really interesting is I, I kind of surprised myself doing these by finding that I've really enjoyed interviewing people who do, um, you know, work that is very much unlike my own, especially people who are building tools for other people to use. That's something I think a lot about um, going into an interview like this with um, people like yourselves. So um, before we kind of get into what it is that you guys are doing with Party Down, what you're building, um, kind of like to, you know, start off and understand like where you're both coming from and what's led you both um, to this point. So John, if you want to kind of start, I mean, you know, just kind of a little background about, you know, yourself before um, crypto and kind of what led you into, you know, what you're doing now. Um, and then also, I think it does help to understand where everybody's from. Uh, I think like Trevor in particular was interesting, you know, talking about someone in D just coming from the Midwest or, you know, from Atlanta, but then ending up in San Fran and then going to New York or, you know, wherever. Um, I've really enjoyed kind of hearing um, yeah, that's, about that. I'm happy to start. Uh, I don't want to like end up taking up all the time before Danny gets to go, but I could definitely dive into all that stuff. But maybe just the condensed version, and then I could tell random stories after that. Um, so yeah, I'm John. Uh, in terms of just my background, well, I, I grew up in Richmond, Virginia, so um, that's where I'm from. Nothing crazy to talk about there, although maybe if I thought more about it, there probably is, but. Uh, just grew up going to normal public schools in Richmond. Um, in college, I studied computer science and applied math. And then I started my career as a software engineer. So my background is at least initially in, in engineering. When I graduated from college, I only wanted to work at consumer product companies. So I actually, my first job out of school was at Snapchat back mm -hmm. in 2016. Uh, I moved to LA from the East Coast to work there, which... I could say a lot more about, but did not love that experience. Um, and basically that summer, right when I graduated, summer 2016 is when I got into crypto, um, which I would actually like to tell that story, uh, but I won't tell it in this short description. Um, so yeah, I worked there as a software engineer for a bit, was dabbling with crypto for a lot of that time on the side, like nights and weekends. Um, I ended up starting a startup back then that went through Y Combinator in 2017, 2018. That startup never really got off the ground, which is also maybe a story I could dive into later. But um, during that startup, I mainly made the switch from engineering to design. So hmm. was designing our own product myself. It really didn't look great at first. I was just self-teaching product design. But basically since then, from like 2018 till now, have done mostly product design work. And some of that's been higher level, like product strategy, but a lot of just in the weeds, designing UX and UI in various uh, tech products. And um, a lot of that's been in crypto since then too, but uh, mm -hmm. 
yeah, that's probably just condensed background on me. Cool. Um, and Danny, same, same for you. Just kind of the, uh, abridged yeah. life story or ladder life story. <laughs> yeah. I'll maybe start with just how I came to crypto. Um, in college, I did a project on remittances, which is basically international payments, like immigrants sending money back home. Um, my parents are both from Chile and South America. Doing remittances was like part, part of growing up. Uh, we grew up in Houston, Texas, big uh, you know Latino community down there. And uh, I, as I did that project, like po- post college, I was like interested in payments, as you know, potentially boring as that sounds. I, I was like, man. I think there's like a real opportunity to like shake shake it up. Like in that time, you you just had like Venmo and stuff like starting to come out. So uh, my my observation on like the new payment stuff that was coming out, anything from like Venmo, PayPal, whatever else, TransferWise was like it, it was basically this like UI faceplate on top of like the normal right, banking yeah. system. And sure, sure. Uh, uh, you know, at some point, just like going over weirdly enough because they're so anti-crypto now but uh at the time uh, hacker news was like the first time i came across bitcoin and when i saw that i was like damn this is like so different that you know something around this has a shot to like you know it's such like different infrastructure that it has a shot to shake things up in that space and so um from from then on was like trying to figure out how to how to work uh in that space um i started working on party dow back in 2021 um uh wear a bunch of different hats at party dow but everything related to like go to market product uh ops all the kind of different things that we're trying to do to move ball forward hmm. that's fascinating it's uh it's a it's an entry point that and I, I will say like the thing the common denominator um for everybody i've spoken with who is crypto or nft sort of adjacent in any way regardless of level of involvement um i think kind of my favorite question I've asked everybody because of the range of answers is so is so wide is what was the entry point and who sort of who introduced you or how you kind of got into it and and the um you know remittances or working in that world is not something I've ever it's one of those things that you just don't think about I, I guess you know in life usually unless you have to or it's something that you've you know had to think about within you know a family structure and I think that's uh yeah that's probably the first time I've heard an answer kind of like that as the inroads to this, which makes a ton of sense. And, and it's something I think I've taken for granted in terms of, um, you know, the importance of, of crypto and, and payments uh, in this form, you know, for people who, you know, aren't sort of feeling like they can rely on a traditional, you know, American or European or whatever banking system, you know, even though that's probably shakier than we all even understand, you know, even when markets crash and everything, it's just a pretty fascinating, you know, thing to have sparked an interest and seemed like it kind of crossed your path at a pretty interesting time too. Yeah. Well, I, I think if you go back early enough in crypto, like the thing everyone was talking about was payments. And actually uh-huh. like when, when there was like a big news headline about crypto, it was like Coinbase signs up Microsoft to like accept Bitcoin payments for whatever Microsoft mm-hmm. was selling at the time. Uh, and uh, I, I, I think that the narrative just just evolved, right? And like, you know, Ethereum comes out and, uh, you know, using crypto as like a compute platform and so on, like, like becomes like a more dominant narrative. But you, you do start to see like things begin to rhyme. And like now, like the space is coming a little bit back where it's like, you know, people are buying NFTs with crypto they're not right. like necessarily using like credit cards and so on to like buy those digital goods like 
I think you, 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 you had to build like a lot of other pieces to the puzzle before you got to like, you know, people actually like using it as a payment rail. And I think like yeah. digital native goods, like we've seen like, you know, all, all, almost all of the NFT volumes. Um, so, okay. You've both obviously mentioned party DAO, um, and you mentioned started working on party DAO in 2021. Um, back up from there like what what did it start out as did it start as party dow what what led to its existence at all um and i think it'd be nice to even hear maybe backing up from that um how did you guys meet i should ask first and foremost this is the first time i've interviewed two people i feel like that seems like an important question um how did you yeah. meet and was it over party dow like kind of get into that i'm, I'm curious like you know so who, yeah if you would excuse me being a little bit verbose, maybe I would uh, tee up that story with just uh, the first thing that I ever saw in crypto, because it it kind of rhymes with the start to party down, why it was so exciting. Sure. When of happened. course. Um, but just like I kind of alluded to a minute ago, uh, 2016 was the summer I graduated from college. And um, that summer was waiting to start my my job. Start date was a little bit in between. So I was just kind of messing around, coding some stuff, just online, spending the summer doing whatever. And um, that's when I first heard about Ethereum. And I heard about it through this thing called the DAO. Uh, like DAOs were not like a, a term you heard around Twitter. I didn't, I didn't, it didn't even have Twitter back then. So uh, this thing called the DAO happened. And I believe the DAO acronym was actually or at least that idea was originally coined by Vitalik himself as a decentralized autonomous organization. And somebody basically wrote a smart contract on Ethereum with the idea that, hey, everybody's going to put money into this contract and everyone's going to get voting tokens and we're going to vote on like how to deploy the capital. Like th there wasn't even really like an opinionated vision. It was just like, let's all put money into a thing and, and do it together. Yeah. And pretty quickly in the span of like a week, it raised uh, over $100 million into a smart contract. And that was like the first thing I heard about. I don't remember why. Uh, embarrassingly, was a big Reddit user back then. So I think I might have just seen it on like a tech subreddit or something. But I was like, it, it kind of blew my mind because um, this was something happening on the internet that like feasibly couldn't really have happened before crypto. And I think that's what made me so interested in it. Mm um can i ask really quick did you yeah. understand it right away because i think the learning curve when people are first exposed to this at all like when i was introduced to the idea of nfts at all like i had to not even worry about understanding nfts first and try to sort of give myself a little time to understand what the underpinning of it was and i'm not a particularly big brain tech <laughs> like you know i'm just i'm so visual and so this kind of it, it took me a lot to kind of wrap my head around but i've met Quite a few people who this stuff just really made sense really quickly. It was that kind of more mm -hmm. your experience, like you kind of got it, like you saw this and you're like, oh, I get it. Like this. Yeah. Is... I mean, I definitely wouldn't say that. I'm not going to claim that. I, oh, I just immediately got it. But sure, I think, you know, sure. But I mean, maybe the the tenants think, of it think, kind of registered. Yeah, I think when I saw that, I went ahead and like started doing like background reading to figure out what it was, and then mm -hmm. I kind of heard about this guy Vitalik and read a bunch of his writing and and like kind of devoured a bunch of information over a few days. Mm. Like I mentioned, I wasn't really doing much other than like waiting for my first job to start. So uh, yeah. I, I had the time to just research it and and got really interested in what, in what was happening there. And then I think like 
again, for people who aren't, aren't familiar, if people are listening, like, I think it's just kind of a fascinating story because the Dow, like it had all this positive momentum. People were so excited about it. It was ostensibly like one of the first like smart contracts on Ethereum that was actually like being used by people with real money uh, at that scale. Mm -hmm. And after like the first week it was out over a hundred million dollars in it, someone discovered a, a security vulnerability now like well-known by every Ethereum dev called a re-entrancy attack, which basically enabled them to steal almost all of the money or a, a pretty significant chunk. I think like a third of the money that was in that wow. contract. So they stole like, I don't remember the exact numbers, but like thousands of ETH worth millions of dollars. And like, just as quickly as this thing had like spun up, it was like instantly ruined. Mm. And that wasn't even the end of the story because then uh, there was a whole debate of like, what, what do we do? Uh, this smart contract, we were trying to do something cool, but it had a bug and all the money got stolen. Should we basically fork the blockchain and do something else? Like basically go back in time and pretend this never happened? Or is it just like code is law? What happened happened. Like you can't, like the code had a bug yeah, too yeah. bad. And this, this would never happen today because Ethereum is so much more established now. But at the time, this was like a significant portion of all of the ETH like on the network. I, I don't know the exact percentage, but it was like the, the fact that this hack happened and like a hacker would be holding this much of the total ETH was enough to kind of like threaten the future of Ethereum. So there was this mm. whole debate kind of happening online of like, philosophically, is it right to like go back and change the code, like roll back yeah. the blockchain and, and change the code retroactively where this didn't happen. And uh, basically it happened, a hard fork happened and Ethereum split into Ethereum that you know today and Ethereum Classic. And now there was two coins. If you had a wallet, you had an ETH and you had your ETH Classic. Anyway, the technical details of all that aren't really the point, but I think for me, like coming out of school and like wanting to work and build technology for the first time, this was just really like lighting up my brain of like, it, it yeah, had like yeah. all the pieces of it. It was like a new primitive of like programmable money. We can like write code that actually controls value and we can make it do whatever we want. Then there was like the design and consumer side of it of like, there's not UX for any of this yet. Like MetaMask didn't exist. You actually, right, had, yeah. like, you had an encrypted JSON file on your computer to interact with this stuff. And you had to like go to my ether wallet and like broadcast trans like the UX was terrible. So I was like, oh man, this could be cool to design. It's cool engineering wise. But the final piece, and I think like the most exciting piece was just like new human behavior. Mm -hmm. Like we can actually do something on the internet now that wasn't possible before today. Like literally, if you think about that DAO use case, like how would you even do that without Ethereum? Is it like one person's like Chase bank account that you're all wiring money into? Like that would immediately be shut down. Right. You couldn't use Venmo at that scale. Like there's truly like no viable technology for organizing that kind of like social experiment before mm -hmm. Ethereum. And that was just cool because it's not it's not that often that you see like a fundamental new thing possible on the internet. Yeah. So that moment for me was like, all right, this is epic. I really want to work on this, but, uh, you know, it wasn't a full-time thing yet because I was just going, you know, I was just spending that summer kind of exploring. Sure, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm curious just for the sort of a, any, I don't know, this isn't so much payoff for that story, but the hacker, was there any sort of idea of who it was? Is there still money that like people have people sort of followed that trail of stolen funds over the years? Like, is there any sort of, was there ever sort of any kind of explanation or development? after that 
That is I'm a really good sort of question. Curious. I actually don't know. Danny, do you remember that? I think you were around before me, so. Well, the hacker just ended up with ETH Classic, so presumably went to zero. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, so they yeah. so they did this, and if they did, I mean, and also, I mean, how difficult was it to, like, cash out your money, too? I mean, how, how did you, like, get it from, you know, like, just, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, it probably was just stolen funds, but then could they just somehow translate that to to dollars somehow like at that time in a way that wouldn't have been like, so spotted. i think that coinbase even back then this is all hazy memory so if i say something that's not true my bad but i think coinbase supported eth classic mm. pretty soon after it came out so like ostensibly you could sell eth classic via coinbase for cash and whatever but okay. obviously it'd be hugely suspicious as a hacker if like all the some stuff, guy comes yeah. along you know, a hundred, you know, whatever, $30 million of ETH classic. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I, mean, I, I don't know what happened to that, to that ETH classic or what happened uh, with the hacker. I would need to go refresh my yeah. memory. Uh, but that, that stuff though, I, for any of us who grew up, you know, with computer, I mean, like I, you know, I was always fascinated by early, I'm a bit older than you, but like, you know, my sort of entrance onto the internet and using AOL and like where's and, and like these applications, like these, visual basic based applications that I, I taught myself like visual basic one summer to try and build a, you know, a small little program that could kick people offline uh, over, you know, AOL instant messenger, you know, in like probably in like 1999, 98, 99 at this point. Um, and there's just, I, I think a lot of us, you know, it's like this thing that's like even the hacker hack side of this, like there's something very exciting and sort of a weird sort of thrill to sit in front of a computer and just see this sort of crime, <laughs> like, and this like diabolical things unfold and the thought of being able to like work with that and the sort of risk that entails, but like on a, on a more productive and sort of fruitful way that can benefit people. Like there's something really, there, there's a lot there, I think. So it, it makes sense, like hearing your story and there's like an excitement about it. It, it scratches the itch of like the sort of the, you know, computer nerd and, and all of us who would ever be associated with this, like this interview show at all. Like we've all got something of that uh, in there. So it, it just, yeah, it's, it's cool. I mean, it just seems like it was just like such a perfect uh, thing to experience for you to be like, that's it. Like I got to figure this out and latch on. Um, and the, the, the group mentality, I think part of it is, is super interesting. That seems like that was what but what, what did you, what did you, and maybe both of you, I'd like to understand that like the, and I have, we get to the party DAO sort of formation eventually, but mm -hmm. what did you envision maybe would be a potential outcome of a, a sort of a, a large group effort? Um, you know, cause at the time, where was that, what was the intention, you know, of all that money? Um, and if the hack hadn't happened, what was another universe's sort of outcome um, that would have been not, you know, ending in, in the way that it did. Yeah, my, my recollection at the time uh, is that like, I, I don't want to say the DAO was totally aimless, but I, it felt like it was quite a quite a generic kind of vision of like, hey guys, let's just get together with like a pool of capital and we'll all get to like decide what to do with it. And mm -hmm. I honestly am not sure that the, the vision for that entity itself was so thought out. Mm -hmm. And then... Uh, Additionally, like we never really got to see it play out in the way that it probably would have without the hack right. afterwards. So it kind of felt like this kind of like unfulfilled experiment where uh, 
there was potentially something really chaotic or crazy that could have happened other than a hack. And uh, I feel like that's really as far as that story got other than sure. like the, the fork was kind of like the climax of that story. And afterwards it felt like it was just kind of dissipating energy. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of what could have happened, well, uh, I think it is kind of a good segue. Like the, the only reason I bring that story up is because it was like, it, it was that culmination of all of these things like programmable money, uh, weird like UX, and also mainly like the human behavior piece of like people coordinating on the internet in a new way that got me excited about Ethereum. And I think um, in the years since then, Ethereum's had waves of different things. There's There's been, there was like a whole ICO boom. There was a, you know, DeFi summer most recently, obviously, there was like this huge NFT wave that happened over the past couple of years. But um, I hadn't really seen anything that felt quite like the DAO for a long time since then. It, it felt like the cool thing that got me into it, but maybe like not how things ended up playing out for, for sure. Ethereum. But Party DAO itself, just to, to go back to the whole, whole kind of origin story of it, um, has a kind of funny origin story. Uh, Actually, it's related to the beginning of the NFT wave. So um, spring uh, 2021, this was like a peak expensive one of one NFT. Yeah. So yeah. like you've got the Beeple pieces selling for like exorbitant prices. I think I remember like it was right after the Nyan Cat meme sold for like 600K on foundation or something like that. But basically the new like primitive and behavior in crypto that was happening was the auction, the one of one like reserve yeah. auction. And um, I think it was Dennis from Mirror tweeted out, I know it was Dennis. I think the first thing that happened was Dennis tweeted out, like, what if a group of people could team up to bid in an NFT auction? Um, and then if they won, they would like split up the NFT somehow. Like the details weren't all there, but he started a crowdfund uh, to basically fund people to build a prototype of this. And, and even before that, uh, an engineer named Anish actually had built a prototype. So it seemed like there was some momentum around the idea. And basically a crowdfund happened that was the uh, kind of point of origin for PartyDAO. A bunch of people threw some ETH in towards this goal. Uh, and it was just with the idea of, hey, let's just get some money together to build an MVP of this project. Um, and when that happened, uh, you basically the next day had like uh, 25 ETH, 50 or so people in a Discord, an idea and no plan. It was just like, <laughs> all right, we've got money. We've got like classic DAO experience, right? Like yeah. a bunch of people in a Discord and a, an, an idea, but no actual like volunteers or plan. Right, yeah. And at that time, I was just kind of building stuff in crypto on the side, exploring. So I raised my hand and was like, hey, I can, I can like PM this project. Give me... Uh, give me half the budget and I'll like find people in this discord who are engineers, designers, whatever, and we'll form a little mini team and we'll build an MVP. And so quickly we got to, we got a front end person. We had a protocol engineer. We had a designer, uh, all these people like well-documented in, in history. I don't want to get into all the weeds. Maybe it should be like accelerating the story because like, it can take forever if I go into every detail. But basically we built an MVP over the summer and that's when Danny and I met. Uh, actually like about a week into it or two weeks into it, something like that, we had this whole product plan, but Danny, who, who I didn't know before this and Danny didn't know me before this messaged me on discord and was like, Hey, uh, 
I see you guys are working on all this stuff. Is anyone actually planning like the go to market for like when you release the product? Uh, and, and, and Danny, real quick, where, what were you doing? What was your life at this moment? Like, were you just all like well into a crypto career or were you kind of just dabbling in like different things in this arena or what, like, where were you at when he came to you? I was in exploratory mode. I had left a job that I had been at for a number of years in crypto and was like looking for the next thing. And it was, it, it was a good timing because there was just like, you know, kind of bull, bull market time. There was just like a lot of different ideas floating around. People were excited and yeah. it just felt like there was a lot of like opportunity. And like, you know, in that moment, like uh, what was interesting to me about Party Dow, I like, I, I uh, you know, Dennis messaged me about, the crowdfund he was doing on mirror i joined that i was sort of tangentially paying attention to the discord but what struck me was like oh this is like a really quick project to like actually like put out like a working prototype within like mm. a few weeks or it ended up being a couple of months but like like a few weeks so it was like something very like tangible which was like to me the uh the the, the like attractive part and and you know the spec originally for what it should do is like relatively high level but it, you you had a sense for like what the behavior should be and so the fact that it was like so kind of like scoped felt really good and like as i was like watching people just work and get organized in the discord i i was just like why, why don't we why don't we make this pop off like let's like get organized for the for the launch sure. yeah and your, and your specialty was like what were you like okay i'm specifically gonna bring what like what was kind of your i like what you saw you must have like thought okay i can bring this to the table yeah, the idea was really simple. Like, I think a lot of people, particularly in crypto, to be honest, like they work on a product, they, you know, come up with the idea for it, they spec it out, they do the engineering work, or maybe some of the design work to actually like make it real. And then they just kind of throw it on Twitter. And like, yeah. don't really think about how to make it real to the end audience. And so the, the central concept to like putting PartyBit out there was like, when we release PartyBit, uh, it shouldn't just be dropped and kind of fizzled out. Like we should like have parties like on the day that people can yeah, join that are absolutely. like fun and interesting. And like very practically, there is a link that someone can click on to actually like experience the product firsthand sure. and immediately out of the box, it should be like fun to yeah. use. That, 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 yeah. that, was, that, that, that was basically it. Like re really simple and practical, but, and you know, I, I, I would just say like any, any like, products uh that's being put out there like I, I think it's worth being considered and thoughtful about like hey like when it hits the user when it hits their eyes like have something there for them to like sink their teeth into that's going to be Absolutely. really fun to engage in you know i, I i've got to say as, as you're like describing that I'm like this is such a perfect analogy for what a lot of artists do i mean really i i see i, I mean i've fallen prey to it myself and i've seen a lot of artists do it too and i think just the idea of Kind of whipping something up and then now what do i do well, i'll just i'll post it and it's like well that's okay <laughs> you know i'll post it on twitter and, and hope what like what's the what's the hook what's the you know what i mean it's like dropping an album with no songs on it like does this thing have tracks or not like is there a did you put a bunch of work in but there's no like what are people supposed to latch on to um and so yeah. I don't know. That, that's just which, interesting which, which, you which is that. sad because you you could have like really great products that fall prey to that, but aren't given the right kind of context or stage to yeah. like sh show show what they can do. Yeah. So I I would say it's like it's about doing justice to what you've built to think about how it's actually like hundred percent delivered yeah. and 
distributed and so on. Or else, I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, it just gets sort of plopped on social media like any other post. And, you know, within what, five minutes, it's kind of buried. And if it wasn't something that people could, I mean, it's like driving by a billboard. It's like, you got about two seconds, like really hook people with something interesting. And you spend all this time and just kind of like, let it whimper out there. It doesn't really do justice to the amount of work and effort and, and, you know, just all the blood, sweat and tears that have gone into the, to the work. So it's, so, so I'm assuming this kind of tease up, you were like, all right, let's, we built this thing. Let's actually like come up with a thing to use it for. And then we'll be the first users. And then other people can kind of join in and join our party that we've, you know, thrown. Uh, a, a, few, a, few, a few things came together. I'll, I'll skip all the boring details, but basically we had this idea, let's build a tool that lets a group of people team up to bid in an auction together. And if they win, they're going to split up the NFT that they win. Mm -hmm. It's like very narrow, single use case. It's not a versatile thing. Sure. And to be honest, I think that all around, we thought it could be pretty cool, but we almost viewed it as like a tool for like maybe making NFTs cheaper. It's a little bit of like a utility in some way. Mm. But um, as we built it through the summer, it started to feel more and more like a consumer product. You're like, all right, let's let's build a cool UI. Let's build the social cursors experience on the page. And it basically led up to, to the launch moment. And the launch moment was really interesting. And this is kind of going to be the callback to, to the DAO, I'd say, because... Um, Danny had done a bunch of work to make sure that on launch day, there were real parties on actually yeah. cool NFTs that you could join. When we launched the product, you could join one of the, one of the parties that were out there. And um, within like three days of the launch, parties had bought a CryptoPunk for like $3 million in one party, Jesus. like 2,000 people. Was that the zombie one? Yeah, that was. The yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just, that's like one of those moments that's like kind of core yeah. crypto memory because I did that too. And I remember the feeling there was like, oh, this is like a thing. This is, this feels significant yeah. for sure. There was that one. There was a Jack Butcher piece. There was one related to the Blitmap collection from Dom. Um, mm. But I think that basically that week, really even the first day, uh, our both of our brains were kind of refactored about what the product actually was and what the potential mm. was. Because on the surface, you're like, okay, this is pretty simple. It's just buying NFTs. But if you looked at what people were doing in the product, they were going through the social coordination end to end to actually do something bigger than whatever that NFT was. Mm. And it, it could have been lip service to some degree, but people like the motivation was clearly there. People were like forming a discord server, collaborating around like what they were going to go do. Then they would start the party and everyone would join in and contribute ETH and then they would win the NFT. And that wasn't even the end. People would like change their PFPs and start talking about the next thing they were going to do. And to be honest, at the time, the product couldn't really like service these users for everything they wanted to do. It was like a very narrow product. It was bootstrapped, no VC investors, no full-time staff. It was just like a side project. But I think in that moment, uh, the realization in the product was one, it was the first time I had seen since uh, since like the DAO, this kind of like really excited social coordination to actually do something on chain. Like we're not just forming a group. We're not just pooling money. We're actually going and like bidding in an auction. There's like a clear, explicit goal. And, um, and, and that was one realization. The second was just the vision for the product and what we could build. So one way of looking at kind of that early V1 was we took a thing in crypto 
that was really popular at the at the time, which was bidding in an auction, but that was only really like a single player experience. And we built the multiplayer version of that same experience. So everyone's bidding in auctions, but now you can do it as a group. Oh. And that behavior really changed the experience of what bidding in an auction meant. When you're bidding in the auction by yourself, it's like, cool, I'm, I'm supporting the artists. I'm maybe trying to win this piece. But when I'm doing it with a group, it starts to feel like it takes yeah. on its own meeting. There's like a social collective effort. You're showing support for the person whose piece it is. You're kind of maybe developing some mission for why you're there. Mm-hmm. And the question for us is, okay, what, what would happen if you could do that for Ethereum itself? So st- shifted this thinking from the tool as like this financial utility to way more of this like multiplayer coordination product for doing stuff on chain with a group of people. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think I think there is a lot of shared elements there to even like the early DAO experience that felt like, okay, five years later in crypto, six years later, is there actually way more potential for this type of thing maybe than, than back in 2016? Yeah. Just Jay, on, what, were you, uh, what were you thinking as this was going on too? Yeah. <laughs> were, you, were you guys nervous at all, by the way? Like as that first one was going, we are like, I hope this, <laughs> I hope our system and what we've built doesn't like, I don't know, break or did it feel... Like once it got going, you're like, hey, this is a pretty, you know, black and white like thing here. It's there was nothing to worry about. I don't know. Part, part, part of the magic of it was like no one was this. This was everyone's like kind of like side projects. You know, in, in that moment, it, this was all for fun, basically. No, that mm-hmm. this the stakes were, I think, relatively low, and I, I think that helped in a bunch of ways. I think it helped people be more creative and take it maybe yeah. like less seriously. So I wouldn't say we were going into it being nervous outside of like any security concerns obviously yeah with the caveat that like on day one of your product three million dollars goes into the smart contract like it's not the dow with a hundred million dollars but still scary to think about like hopefully this doesn't get hacked luckily it didn't but yeah there was there was some of that in the background <laughs> yeah uh, but um my primary action was like uh Let's see. I think we launched on a Wednesday, I believe, and you know, two days later, by Friday, like my mind was like totally blown by mm. just like, like what I was seeing from users, and it basically changed my whole perspective on this space and like what I thought mm. mattered in crypto. But mm. before that moment, I think if you had asked me like what I was likely going to work on, it probably would have been something more developer infrastructure related, like uh, something related to the L2 stuff. And the argument would have been um, something along the lines of we need better developer infrastructure so that developers can go build like the next generation of use cases they're going to go. And with those use cases, they're going to go grab like the next billion people that are going to be using Mm -hmm. crypto. So like, let's build that infrastructure now. That's the most like pressing important thing. Uh, And then once the party bid launch happened, I was like, fuck all that. Like, uh, what we have now is good enough to create some like really compelling experiences that are going to appeal to a lot of people. Maybe it's not billions of people at first, but it, it, it's going to be enough people to get started. And uh, I think crypto like urgently needs to like start reaching like actual end users and offering them like com- compelling experiences, like just 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 compelling things to do. And uh, to me, like it, when I squinted and I looked at PartyBid, I was like, it's going to be really consumer end user focused, like 
that's what's going to like bring crypto to like some next level. And it being something around groups and something social feels directionally correct. And the fact that it was all like super on chain. And so I was like the, the, the core elements of, of like those pieces, I was like, well, shit, this is it. This is like, I just got really amped and I was like, this is what I do now. This is all I do. Like, even though we didn't have an org or anything to like work out, I was like, I just, I just work on party now full time. Like, like from that moment onwards, I was just like, this is, this is it. Was there another, was it the two of you as the main kind of drivers behind this? Uh, I would say, uh, formally speaking, um, starting in May when the project started, I was elected by the DAO as the project lead. Mm -hmm. and it was then up to me to like bring in the rest of the team. So at that time, I'd say there was, there was basically a, a whole team of contributors who were working across engineering, design, whatever, in this kind of like very, very loose DAO fashion. I would say basically from the launch day forward, uh, Danny and I, uh, out of those contributors, we're just like dropping everything else. I'm dropping everything else I'm doing, and this is full time, even mm -hmm. though we can't get paid anymore. Like, even though there's like whatever, like we might just be working on this or we might be getting paid below market or whatever. Uh, this is full time now. And I'd say mm -hmm. from there, that ended up being like the shape of, of Party DAO is like Danny and me. Uh, it's like funny because as a DAO, like, you don't have the typical like co-founders or like two two people sat in a room and said this is our company now yeah. it has more like organic like, it started as a dao and then has kind of formed into more of a, a coordinated team over time of course with the dao still but um but yeah i'd say from that point on like danny and i uh really committed full time to to keep building it out mm. um so that was 2021 that was like peak all of us that were participating just like loving it everything's great everything's just this is gonna be this is life now <laughs> i'm gonna be able to just mint something and someone will buy it for like whatever and then someone else will bit and it's just gonna keep going and uh and i think um you know there was a <laughs> haze of just optimism in the air for sure and i think yeah. you know me me as maybe someone who would be one of your end users obviously i i did use it and i would participated in that first you know punk one i didn't honestly know what i was doing i just I, I mean i knew enough to like click the right buttons and and do it and participate and feel the energy in the chat at the moment and then you know when it was over moved over to twitter and fwb or whatever and i was just like you know felt like you're really part of something and um you know that that energy was very palpable uh for anybody who was participating that year that you know um in anything like that for artists, you know, we were just sort of having our eyes opened to being able to sell our work without having to go to, the, you know, the post office and like just all this stuff that was really just everything was blossoming. It was just all like it was just bearing fruit left and right with no end in sight. Um, now, obviously, you know, fast forward and, and things have changed and not into like a you know, uh, but I mean, I, I assume anybody who was built, working on this stuff probably didn't stop to think, hey, we need to think about when we hit a bear and when things are really, uh, you know, dire or whatever, because everyone's just focusing on on building. But, um, you know, what were the, you know, so this is like that sort of initial euphoria of, of the launch and, and of things, you know, going well and then kind of keeps up. And then as things have evolved and changed and, and kind of gone through different peaks and valleys over the last couple of years, um, how has PartyDAO evolved? How have you guys 
felt, you know, I asked this question to Maria, I asked this question to Trevor, you know, like to, to D, you know, with Zora, how do you feel working on something? Now, any, any, lots of different sectors and, and industries are extremely volatile, sure. But this one in particular is just like the extreme high and then the extreme low, and it could happen in the blink of an eye and then be right back. How do you, how have you guys both dealt with with that, I guess, maybe on a more sort of personal level, like how has it felt to feel super invested in something? As you both said, it's time to drop everything. And this is what we do now. Um, like, how did you, how did you deal with it when some of the, the sort of the gloss, you know, wore off and things felt a little, Ooh, I'm not sure about this now, or I'm not sure like what's, what's next. Like, how have you kind of, um, have you, how have you faced that or felt about it? I would say, um, we're probably a little bit lucky in terms of uh, just the experience I think we both had in crypto coming into this project because mm. I guess I got into it around 2016 and Danny earlier. So again, like uh, history doesn't always repeat itself, but I think uh, like you mentioned, crypto seems to have a pretty uh definitive pattern of going through these like boom and bust cycles like mm -hmm. extreme mania bull market followed by like a crash in a bear market and at least for me uh i'd seen that happen like once or twice already so i actually think that uh maybe maybe my feeling in that moment was a little bit different there there was like the peak euphoria whatever but but i think like throughout that whole year of 2021 with the nft stuff and seeing the nfts selling for like these crazy prices to me that that just rhymed in my mind with hearing about icos in 2017 that had just raised 50 million dollars for like mm -hmm. literally an idea like uh, you know like i was like oh i'm bracing for impact for when the bear market's gonna come and i actually think we kind of ran the project accordingly like we were mm. first of all we didn't have investors so we were like very scrappy with money whole team was bootstrapped and i was gonna ask because this has all like, been like fully this independent endeavor there's not been you've not taken on you know that did change part. in 2022 so we can, we can get there in the story right. like eventually i think we realized like okay if, if we're going to take this seriously we need to yeah, have to scale resources it. to survive through through a bear market which which eventually happened and and i'm really glad we did that because otherwise probably wouldn't exist today Mm -hmm. But I do think that like, even from our origins, I think we did have a mentality of like a bull market's not going to last forever. This is something inherent to crypto where like these cycles happen. Hopefully they don't, but they probably will. Uh, so I think we were always like very frugal, really hustling to try to make the product work and um, prepared for that. So, so mm -hmm. uh, by the way, that doesn't just, that doesn't mean that you get to a bear market and it's not difficult. I'm actually like curious sure talk about that whole topic in general but um i feel i feel lucky because actually like i mentioned i had a i had a crypto startup um before and, and that one never really got off the ground uh it was just me and my co-founder like tinkering on a bunch of cool ideas for a while and unfortunately like none of them none of them got very far but uh i think like in that position when you're in it for the first time where like a bear market to suddenly hit that it's just really clear that, that that like wipes out startups both financially you lose excitement your metrics go down like it is a really hard time to operate a project so i feel lucky that we were kind of like as as much as you could be like mentally prepared for that to happen sure sure yeah. and, and granted it happens 
gradually. It's not just one day people right. are like NFTs are washed. This is over. I mean, you know, you start to see signs and adjust and plan accordingly. But so you would say that you're kind of braced for it, uh, essentially, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I think just to uh, highlight that point, like from a party DAO perspective, like the first nine months of party DAO were entirely bootstrapped. And, uh, you know, we eventually did uh, raise a round, but the, um, I think that moment was like pretty like the bootstrapping time was like really key in terms of just like setting the tone and the culture and just like being really like minimal team uh, that can stay like really tightly coordinated and iterate really quickly on products and just mm -hmm. like continue shipping versus getting like, you know, a, a slightly bigger org and, and slightly more bloated. So I, I think that really helped us like that, yeah. that culture has like largely remained. And then uh, I think on a personal level, like versus boom and butt cycle. So, um, I find uh, the bull times to be really distracting. I kept an email folder in my Gmail of just like people or friends reaching out who wanted to just like catch up during like 2021, 2022. And like, uh, it got like to like, well, it's like, it's like, it was like 270 like emails. And like, you know, uh, I was like, okay, like, I, like, there's no time to do these different like copies, even if it's like from an introduction from a friend that you really, really like. Mm. Uh, and it's just frankly, the net net of it is like, it's really distracting. There's just like a bunch of stuff going on. It's unclear where the signal's coming from because like everything, you know, all numbers are going up and uh, it, it's it's distracting. Uh, versus in a bear market, things are calmer. No one's reaching out to me now. Like I don't, I'm not getting those like random emails from, you know, like your aunt's friend or whatever. And uh, <laughs> who, who wants to like make an NFT to benefit whatever. Uh, and it, it, instead, like you, you, you can focus. And the signal that you do get, like the users you do get is, is, uh, it, it's probably just like higher fidelity. Like, uh, you know, it, it means you're actually like providing some value. So, mm -hmm. uh, although it's like, um, the, the wins are harder won, I think they're, 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 they're better signals. So I, yeah. I think, uh, bear market times for like building a product. I mean, this is said constantly. It's like a trope in crypto and so on, but it, it really is true. Like it is a much, much better time less distractions, more signal, just like overall, like exponentially better. Mm -hmm. hmm. um, so, all right. So the past, I don't know, I guess we can, unless there's anything else you wanted to add there, but it's going to speed us up to, to 2023 um, and, and where you guys kind of, you know, find yourself now. Um, I think it's, it's really interesting because all the the through line in your story, like everything comes so sort of satisfyingly full circle. John, for you talking about your sort of fascination with everything that happened with the Dow, and then quite literally paying that off with a project that seems like pretty parallel to to what the Dow did with those you know those first party bids. Um, and by the way, it was called Party Bid at first, right? And then yeah, yeah. evolved it to Party Dow. Is there was there a moment, or I mean, you guys don't strike me as the type to just make sort of uh sort of superficial moves like that because it sounds cooler for the brand i assume something happened that made it feel like more purposeful to be called party dow than party bid what was what was that about well, yeah so just maybe maybe this is not as clear as as we think it is but uh from day one there's kind of two separate names party dow is like the organization it's the sure. group of people who are building software together mm -hmm. and then product was called party bid Right. which was like a way to bid in NFT auctions together. And um, basically just to bring us to today, uh, if we're talking about like bull market, bear market cycles, whatever, I think um, 
I would actually be curious to go through it, but like the, the history of crypto in, in, through one lens is basically you have these waves, you have like uh, the bear or sorry, the bull where there's, there's mania, there's hype, prices go up, a bunch of stuff gets funded. And then you have a, uh, you have a bear cycle where things crash and you kind of reach the trough of sorrow, the things that were so sexy yesterday, no one wants to do anymore, but on the, on the positive side, some things have been funded now with a vision mm -hmm. that continue to push forward towards that thing. And emerging out of that bear market comes another bull market or another wave of excitement that's built around something that just got built, something that, yeah. that's a new behavior for, pe for people to do, right? So I think um, in 2017, there was like the ICO wave, initial coin offering. Everyone was just launching a token. You can invest in the tokens a lot of scams, a lot of low quality things that weren't scams, but just like shouldn't have gotten funded. But there was this ICO boom. It was like altcoins. You're trading these, you know, shit coins that are, the prices are going up, the ICO. There's a new ICO every day that you could invest in. And there's a huge crash because none of that stuff ever panned out. You invested in this project that raised all this money via the ICO that never built anything. It was all vaporware. Mm -hmm. Founders went to jail or something, you know, whatever. It's like, <laughs> that was one wave. Uh, if I'm painting broad strokes, maybe there's a next wave that was like DeFi, DeFi summer. You got like Uniswap, you got Compound and like lending on chain. And um, you added like new financial primitives. And, and they're almost built on the wave before because ICOs had like ERC-20 tokens. Well, that's like the primitive that you build Uniswap on top of. You can swap one ERC-20 for another. And there's these pairs of tokens. You can also lend against DeFi, against lending protocols in tokens or with ERC-20-based collateral. And there was a big DeFi wave. And then uh, the next wave after that is probably the NFT wave. Um, you had uh, companies build out tooling and stuff related to NFTs that led to the next wave. Could dive into all those, but I think now we're kind of in the next, and again, appreciate that this is kind of reductive, like painting pretty broad strokes, but we're, we're clearly in like the middle of another bear market or just like down cycle in terms of not just markets, but like excitement and enthusiasm. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of projects shut down. Usage and metrics across like all of Ethereum are down. Yep. Obviously, culturally speaking, hey, I, I'm working in crypto, man. Hey, did you see that yeah. NFT? Like, not as cool right now. Also, uh, I mean, really, the sentiment and the excitement really shifted over to AI, kind of in in a way, mm -hmm. sort of cannibalized the conversation all of a sudden when. The perfect moment post Super Bowl ads, you know, of the crazy everybody, yeah. you know, every celebrity and their mom and, you know, bored apes being bought up by celebrities and stuff, you know, like as that kind of started to fade and and Dolly and Mid Journey and all this stuff kind of came in. I mean, really, the conversation I feel like in the mainstream level, suddenly my mom is no longer asking, hey, how do I can you show me how to buy an NFT? If I give you two hundred dollars, can you like what could you do with that? Uh, that hasn't been brought up in my, you know, family right. dinners in a while, <laughs> you know, and suddenly yeah. more like, what's this, like, how do you, you know, like, what is, what's the deal? And like hearing about all this AI stuff. And it seemed like, uh, and maybe that sort of goes right into the, the idea of the bear market. Like everybody, people are paying a little less attention, but there's this very viable technology for us to continue building here. Right. This is a perfect moment to just like have the noise be calmed down so we can just do our <laughs> do our fucking thing <laughs> exactly yeah i think that's exactly right and um i guess the question would just be like okay what wh what's next like yeah i know what you is, know you can't just pattern match but uh 
do you feel like we're post NFT wave now, or we're like, we've trailed the, the, the it's evolved to be like less one of one and more sort of the open edition well, idea or what's kind of where my, we my right? lens on that would be that like, you you're never, I don't, so I think the NFT wave is over. It doesn't mean NFTs are over. Like, like no, my of course not. this is that each, each like wave of this cycle builds upon the last one, but yeah, adds absolutely. something new. Right. So like ICOs, you introduce tokens, but then the next wave was DeFi and like the atomic unit of like composability in DeFi like is ERC-20 tokens. And then obviously uh, NFTs are like this new building block and, and they lead to this whole new thing. I don't yeah. think any any of these are going away. DeFi is still great. NFTs are still great. Like all of these are really key primitives that added something new to the internet itself. It's not just crypto, but like you can now own a digital thing, whether that's a token or an NFT, that's not going away. But I think that that wave like happened and now there's there's a question of what will the new what will like the next wave if there is one be fueled by? And I think the pattern is basically if you looked at DeFi, NFTs, all that, it's to me like. I'm open to push back on this, but I think the way I would read it would just be that uh, these waves happen when something that was like um, previously really difficult to do but really exciting like like hypothetically like nfts are something that obviously as we've seen has all these different ways you can do them you can do one of ones you can do 10k pfps you can do a cool on-chain art project you can yeah. do it as memberships you can do it as, like there's so much you could do with nfts but that never happened until two years ago because there was no tools that let regular creative people or even just regular not creators, but just regular people experiment mm. with the tools because to make an NFT, you had to write a smart contract and you had to be a dev. And once we got those tools, you had this whole explosion of experimentation. Um, just, just to put my, uh, just to sh show my hand, I guess. Uh, I think the whole thesis with PartyDAO is that one of Ethereum's core strengths and biggest unfulfilled promises is enabling new kinds of social coordination on the internet. Mm -hmm. It's actually like what Ethereum is like. It's almost purpose built for for this thing. Like the the reason they're called smart contracts is like there's legal contracts which are contracts between people in the offline world. But what if you could make them digital and they're smart because they're self reinforcing? That would let two people interact with a smart contract between you know like that's actually mm -hmm. the origin of the name. And Ethereum is really, really good, at least in terms of what it can do for letting groups of people coordinate socially and economically at the same time. But it's like this, this one thing that like all the way back to the white paper is there, but we haven't seen a wave or like a boom of social coordination uh, in, in crypto. Mm. And um, if you just look at what, what we're doing, I think um, despite whatever the current trend, uh, whether it's AI, whether it's something else, uh, not, not to take away from any of that other stuff, it's also valuable, but whatever's trending today doesn't really change our view on the value of that ability, the ability of a group of people to get together on the internet around a shared goal and actually have the tools to coordinate economically mm -hmm. and socially together. And I, I think our our view would be if it's not the next wave, like the big thing that like gets a whole new set of things happening in crypto that weren't possible before, that group dynamics, like coordinating as a group on chain will be 
one of the big behaviors that you see leading into uh, the next wave of people who are excited about, about crypto. Sure. Can you give uh, an example of what the activity might be around? So if that's to be the next wave kind of on a, on a, on a broad mm -hmm. level, what might they, what, what's the action? Like, what are people driving towards? So like, this all makes a lot of sense to me. And like the, the promise of it makes a lot of sense. Um, and, uh, like it's, it seems like you basically said, you know, that one of those sort of core promises of, of that very idea of, of Ethereum is the ability for groups of people to move sort of harmoniously together towards a shared goal. Totally understood. Um, it's happened with, you know, your guys' products. Um, there's been, you know, there's certainly plenty of other, you know, DAOs and endeavors that have kind of strived towards certain goals, but usually it's to purchase some NFT or something like that, which is, that's great. That's, that's mm -hmm. cool. Like, I think that's, that's fun. Um, you know, does it have like, a like, what are the other uh, use cases for people? Maybe let's say um, in a more mainstream setting or in a non uh, sort of art or commercial product purchasing way where everyone holds like a, a, a certain share of something and hopefully sells it for a little more the next day. And it's, you know, like a, a shard of, of an NFT, if you will. So um, I think that's, that's what I'm like, really, I'm really curious about, but essentially like, what does the future look like specifically if you painted like some ideal, you know, pictures of what, you know, this could lead to, um, people's yeah. behavior with well, it. Just quickly to set up the pattern. Like, I think basically if, if you talk about like waves in crypto, I think, uh, sometimes what you see is like an early sprout of an upcoming wave. So for instance, like. CryptoKitties happened before there was an NFT boom and before the 721 standard was even defined. Uh, yeah, like, um, like a couple of years before in terms yeah. of- Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and like uh, CryptoKitties got famous because like it it almost like brought down, like just like, it almost brought down Ethereum, like yeah. which is like a good thing. It's like like this, <laughs> this idea. Yeah, sure, sure. yeah the, 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 like some form of this product is like, it, it's a hit. Uh, and then what that does is that, that goes and inspires like a bunch of people to like go build around that. Uh, you eventually get like OpenSea, and like you, you just get a more fertile environment for that type of concept to take off again later on. And yeah. so, uh, like you can probably point to some like early sprouts around social coordination. Like what 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 is like a kind of thing that maybe like caught some attention uh, and then fizzled out. Like w w one example would be Constitution DAO. And like that got mainstream attention. Like there was, you know, cover of the Wall Street Journal, like, like you know, uh, players like Ken Griffin involved, like, like you know, it's like, it's, it's like a big uh, story. And, you know, it, it, it came and it went, like the, the moment passed, but I think there was something around that behavior people coming together online to like mm -hmm. make something happen together. That was, that, that, that was motivating that I, I think is going to rhyme with uh, something that's going to happen in the future again on a more like scalable yeah. level. Yeah. I think similar to that, like, I think the constitution DAO is a really good example because especially in crypto, it's an example of people using crypto for something that's not just like for crypto people. Like you mentioned, mm -hmm. like oh, yeah. the use cases so far, they're like buying an NFT and flipping it, whatever. I, by the way, I actually have a good case for like why those things are cool. 
but I think it's important and like something that crypto hasn't really done very well as like a industry or something so far is how do you tell someone that doesn't get it yet why it's cool and like all your yeah. reasons are like, you can buy an NFT and they're like, well, I don't want to do that. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, what do I'm going to do with it? Yeah, exactly. yeah. Like what can I actually do that's like universally just like going to relate to me as a human? Right, and right, I, right. The Constitution now one is, um, it's a little bit, uh, you know, it's a little bit cringe in the sense it's like, it's, it's almost too much of like a meme in some way, but there's a reason that it was that way, which is just like, it's a story that anybody can understand. It's a group of people going and doing something off of the blockchain in the real world together. I think that's kind of like half the thing to come back and speak to. The other half, if you were just to choose like, what is the, what's the single instance of an example that that's maybe like the, the signal that some bit, bigger thing could happen as much, <laughs> I'm not going to say as much as I hate to say it, but as much as it's already talked about a lot, I would point to the nouns DAO as another example. That's maybe like the very on-chain example, mm -hmm. which again, um, I, I I posted a tweet last year, not trying to plug my Twitter or something, but like uh, I posted a tweet last year in response to somebody else that was like, nouns DAO is actually what it looks like if we rerun the DAO from 2016 with all the lessons we've learned since mm -hmm. then. Nouns DAO is really interesting because uh again i'm actually not a big fan of like the aesthetics of noun style or like the particular like tone of voice for me sure yeah but i think what's interesting about the pattern is um again similar to the dow we're just calling back to it it's just a group of people on the internet throwing money into a shared bucket with the idea of let's just figure out what to do with it and like the goal of what to do with it or like what's the mission of it is kind of being figured out over time. Mm -hmm. But I think the reason it's important to point to is it's arguably like the DAO that has the most product market fit in crypto. It's it's like the one you hear people talk about. You don't hear people talk about a lot of on-chain DAOs, but you hear people talk about nouns, even if even if you don't don't want to. Um, I think these would be if if like crypto kitties and crypto punks were like these two things that you kind of heard about in 2017 or 18, and you're like, uh, eh, that's just for crypto nerds. Mm -hmm. And then it turns out Foundation, Zora, OpenSea, like slap you in the face in 2021 with, oh my gosh, this could actually have like way broader appeal than than I thought. Maybe the version of that for like uh, social coordination on chain would be like Constitution DAO was the big like, let's go do something off chain together. And Nouns DAO would be like the more on chain crypto native version. Mm -hmm. So what would that look like if you actually had, what would it look like if you didn't have to have like a, a, a full-time team this tech savvy coordinated constitution DAO, or what it would it look like if you didn't have to have a solidity dev around to like form your own nouns DAO? Uh, well, the first thing I'd say is you obviously can't just describe like uh, in one statement, everything it would be. But uh, I think what you get is you get a lot more groups of people forming around a goal. And I think the, like what the takeaway is that is that you get something in between, you get some kind of new like internet native unit of people doing things that's a lot lighter weight and more ephemeral than like starting a company, like starting an LLC, but maybe uh, a little bit more significant and um, effective and ability and, and with an ability to like change the world or, or make an impact than just like starting like a group chat or like a Facebook mm -hmm. group, thing like that. Um, and I think it's interesting not to monologue for too long, but even even back in like 
2021, there was also a little bit of like a DAO wave. It didn't really have the activity around it, but there were people talking about DAOs a lot more than before. And uh, there was people being like, oh, we should start it out. Like, let's start it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that was really silly because like saying like, hey, I really want to start a DAO is like saying, hey, let's start a company. It's like, okay, yeah, you're cool. like, what, 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 kind of company with? what is this? Yeah, yeah. yeah like, you know, it's, it's like the entrepreneur, like hustlepreneur guys on like TikTok and Instagram who are like on their grind set. Like, I'm a I'm an entrepreneur. I love starting companies. And it's like, OK, great. But like, <laughs> it's it's kind of hard to respect that because like, what do you actually care? Like, what do the companies do? Is there any actual thing that you care about doing? If you're asking yourself, like, should I start a DAO? That's the wrong question. You should just ask, like, what do I actually want to do in the world? And guess what? If I want to do it then a DAO might be a great tool that lets me go achieve that goal. Yeah, I, I think goal. that yeah, right. I think that crypto native, internet native like tooling is going to be a tool that lets people do things that they could not have coordinated before. And there's going to be a huge plethora of use cases, which we can talk about more specifically. But whether you're like, hey, I'm a group of artists or like high school kids and we want to go like put out an art project or sell something online and we need to like get some money together to do it and like pay people to work on it. Uh, or if you're going to be like the next constitution DAO start, starting some big movement, or if you're just a group of people who is just trying to like buy NFTs and flip them on chain, mm-hmm. there's with the right tooling, there's going to be a new tool you can reach for that's not going on Stripe Atlas and like forming a new LLC and like filing paperwork with the state of Delaware to like get your entity and your bank account set up. That's still too clunky for like a lot of stuff that people want to do online. And other than that, you've got like at the lightest weight end of the spectrum, like Venmo, there's going to be something that's like in that sweet spot of it's easy, it's permissionless, I can do it in one click, and I can get a group of people together with actual like financial resources to do anything and do again, like, uh, do anything is pretty vague. So I would maybe point to some specific like parties we've seen actually in, in our product. But uh, uh, I, I think that's like the future that feels exciting to me and i think the whole the whole reason you work in technology well the whole reason i work in technology is that it's exciting to build tools with like software specifically which is so mutable and like creative that let people do new things Mm -hmm. and personally i'm not really religious about crypto or not crypto or whatever but i think what's pretty common is like the internet is where people get online to interact and what can you do to give people new abilities on the internet? And it just so turns out, since I found it, crypto is like the perfect thing for letting groups of people go like do real shit together. Mm-hmm. And that's exciting. So in a bear market right now, when crypto is not cool, whatever, it's like, well, what do you want to build in the first place in, in tech and what's actually worth building? Like, this is one of the things that to me, like if you squint and see the future where, where people can do this, the internet gets a lot more interesting and exciting. Hmm. Sorry for the monologue about just, yeah, now we no, can the use cases, but that's just like, <laughs> some of the, I think that's some well, of the, just the thought process. Yeah. Around. And then, yeah. And Danny, by all means. Um, oh, you got on, you're muted. Sorry. Uh, I would just add that um, just, to, just like calling out another pattern in this is like you, you'll typically see like a new behavior uh, get productized so it can address the long tail. So the example of that in DeFi or with like ERC-20 tokens is like people were launching ICOs and then their big goal was to like get on an exchange like 
uh, one of the Asian exchanges like Binance or um, uh, get, get on Coinbase or something like get, getting listed was like the big goal for one of those ICOs like back in 2017. Uh, Uniswap comes out and one of like its first big things that people were mind blown by was like anyone could go start a anyone can go like create liquidity for any token. So literally like you can now address this like long tail of liquidity, like literally some token that barely anyone has heard of could have like liquidity for it without needing to apply to some exchange to actually get listed and so on. Uh, and if we're thinking about like these groups coordinating on chain, like right now, if you want to build a DAO and most successful DAOs, what that means is that you're forking Governor Bravo, wiring up your own front end, with a protocol dev is deploying it months later you'll have a dao like the, the the like part of the objective very simply of like the tool that we're building is just like address the long tail like allow anyone to like go build that type of internet native organization no matter how big or small it is and just make it really easy and once you like lower those types of barriers like the the result you get is is pretty non-linear you know like you you let people send electronic mail it's not like they send just like more letters it's like the, the type of content changes like uh it, it you know the the volume of messages like explodes like mm -hmm. uh there, there there are like unexpected results from that type of thing and, and that's what kind of gets us excited about what's going to happen next yeah. what are some uh what are some parties and some bids and, and different uh activities that have popped up uh yeah. for you guys that have been really cool and exciting things that you maybe didn't expect um and i have another question uh to your nouns point and maybe i don't know like there's something gross a little bit about just accumulating cash and just lots and lots of money piling up with no end in sight when there are so many... Speak for yourself, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> when there are so many ways that could be put to use that aren't like, let's uh, buy a billboard and let's make a new cartoon, you know, kind of thing. And that's not to diminish uh, nouns. I'm not well-versed enough to know, um, you know, but eventually you do run into the problem of, having so many people involved and the controlling interest being so sort of spread thin that it can become probably difficult to achieve a particular goal with everyone on yeah. enough of the same page. I guess that's what voting is. But again, you just, you do end up with this sort of bottleneck of funds to do what with, like, what are we doing yeah. here? Is it all for fun? Are there cause driven initiatives? Are there like, you know, so I guess maybe that's, I know it's yeah. two separate things and you guys don't need to speak for, for nouns, but I guess maybe using them as kind of like this kind of gold standard of a functioning DAO with lots of capital, like where are we going with this? Like, what have you guys seen happen? That's been really effective and, 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 you know, like kind of really just being super specific on, on those. So I think this is a good time to mention, which uh, probably should have earlier because it would contextualize a lot, a lot of this a lot better. We have a, we have a new product that, came out from Party DAO about three weeks ago now. Mm -hmm. And it's called Party. It used to be called Party Bid, and we basically dropped the bid. And the reason we dropped the bid is that parties are no longer just for NFTs. So if you look back at our okay. previous project over the past year, the product Party Bid, at first it was a group of people bids in an auction and fractionalizes an NFT. Then we actually built a whole protocol around this so that when the group of people bought an NFT, they didn't fractionalize it, but it went into a shared wallet and everyone who right. was part of it could control things to do on chain together. Um, and it wasn't just auctions, you could buy on OpenSea, you could buy on other marketplaces. Um, but if you looked under the hood, the protocol that we built last year, it's called the party protocol. 
is like it's a full-fledged group coordination protocol it, it basically lets you make a group wallet with any number of people and just use ethereum together and previously we only really let you use that to do stuff with nfts but in the new product party it's a full-fledged group ethereum account um mm, okay. we call it multiplayer for ethereum because it just takes everything in ethereum and you can now do that as a group you can do that in multiplayer um so I think that's important to uh, address both of your questions because one, it's led to, you know, it's only been out a few weeks, but we've already seen a bunch of new stuff happening in the product that never could have happened if it was just an NFT product. Sure, and sure. Second, it addresses the uh, funding kind of accumulation of capital question with regard to to nouns. So maybe I would just address that first, just with some some product details. Not this is like a product detail thing, but. Uh, in a, in a party, when you start a party, if you want to, you can start it with a crowdfund. But instead of the crowdfund being always on, you set a goal. And most people set that goal related to a goal, that, the, the funding goal related to a goal that they actually have. Hey, we want to go accomplish this objective, either on the blockchain or just by paying people to do work. Here's how much we need for that. And so... I think that's relatively nice because it's a little bit more fine-tuned controls. You're not just every day someone's buying into the in, into the party or whatever. It's it's just more funding is tied to objectives. Um, so maybe I'd address that. I, I don't have a problem with the always-on funding. I guess it's just kind of a different different type of model. Um, and then could talk to some of the parties that we've already seen. So so again, still really early the products only been out for for a few weeks but mm -hmm. i think um i would point to maybe a few use cases the first that's pretty cool is uh last week we had someone start a party called soul quest it's the name of their party name of the project mm -hmm. um but it's basically starting an ephemeral artist collective and they raised five eth and the goal is uh hey we're gonna we're gonna pick four musicians we're going to like curate them and select them as a group. And we're actually going to pay for their uh, bookings and accommodations and all the expenses for them to fly to California together for FWB Fest in August oh, cool. and collaborate to record and produce a song that they'll release as a group together. And it's not really about investing in anything. It's not about buying an NFT. It's just like, hey, this would be a pretty cool project. Yeah, it's like a grant. Had. It's like an artist yeah. grant pretty much. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, yeah. So 30 people came together to fund it. Those 30 people are now like reaching out to artists to see who'd be interested in receiving this type of grant to come together mm -hmm. to work on the song. I think it'll be like one vocalist, one producer, like a few other people. Sure, sure. And uh, the party is purely just like the rails for making this happen. Like they didn't do a GoFundMe. They didn't launch an NFT project. They didn't mm -hmm. launch a token. It was just like, hey, with a party, we can get money together, make decisions around what to do with it, and like pay people to to accomplish this goal of of creating music. So mm -hmm. that's like probably the most different example from anything that's happened in our product before, because it's like in the real world happening in like physical space, just funding people to do something creative. Yeah, I think it's good to bring an example like that up because I it's it's a uh... After all the talk of the millions of dollars and some of the other big ones and these mega buys of like a single NFT and the and the constitution DAO. I mean, these are just massive examples that like yeah, yeah. everyone will have, you know, a, a small piece in if they part choose to participate. But it's I mean, you know, 
I don't know. It's a somewhat fleeting sort of non uh, sort of impactful thing to everyday life for just an average person, you know, artist or whatever. And I think hearing an example that is very like I can really wrap my head around that hearing that they raised five ETH, which would be equivalent for anybody listening at this point still can probably compute that's around 10 grand. And it's like, okay, like that's, you know, I can work with that. I can see how I could accommodate four people for the, you know, it's like a very concrete, understandable, approachable example that, you know, was achieved, got a job done with 30 people. Not everything has to be. And I, I would tell this to, and I think about this now too, uh, for, for other artists, like not everything, you know, I mean, you're always going to see the headline grabbing, you know, big splashy sales. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you're not really uh, accounting for the fact that that's like 0.1% of the artists, if that like 0.01% of the artists, you know, participating in this ecosystem and that to sell something, if, if an artist sells something for 0.3 ETH or whatever, and they've never sold something in the real world for a hundred dollars, that that's a great accomplishment, but we've kind of watered down. If something doesn't feel like a big deal, that's still, right. you know, people should feel proud of that. And I think uh, similarly, that's, again, just to sort of reinforce what I was saying before, I just think that's a good, I, I like hearing an example like that, because it's just like a very approachable, sort of like, at human scale, uh, that's not just a yeah. massive thing, because that's like, it can be used for something small. And the tools you've built are for something at that scale and something it could, it could handle something much, much greater if you, if you wanted to. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because I think to Danny's point about like the long tail, like, yeah, uh, first of all, we consider a party a consumer product. Like we we aren't just building for a niche audience. We don't just want it to be used by like a few thousand people. We think it has the potential to be a really game-changing product for basically everybody. But obviously everybody's not going to be putting $40 million into a thing to buy the constitution. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we we kind of think about like, these uh there are like these big crazy like uh hype building uh parties or or even just like things that happen in general um but but even in our own product with parties we see these really big ones and they're great because they kind of like show people what's possible they get a lot of eyeballs they bring people in to learn about the product right right every one of those there's really like this long tail of like way more frequent way smaller size parties with very modest amounts of capital, but like they're very tangible, real use cases. Like this Soul Quest party, it's five ETH. ETH's like 1900 bucks right now. So you're like a little under 10K. Yeah. For 10,000 bucks, 30 people can get together and like make a cool piece of music and everybody wants to see it happen. Yeah. It's not right. something unachievable or crazy. Well, and you say a modest amount of capital, but I mean, maybe even to... Danny, where Danny started off with the initial sort of, you know, what was appealing to, about the premise of this technology in the first place is like, these aren't necessarily modest amounts, like all over the world. I mean, maybe here, yeah, uh, yeah. sure, but that can go like that dollar is stretched a lot farther in other countries, you know, in other other places. So I, I see a tool like this kind of like, um, you know, being able to function as, you know, sort of in a really interesting way in, in other places and in other, you know, ways um, beyond like a, I mean, obviously like a creative application like this is, is wonderful. Like I, I was, like I said, it's really nice to hear that, but I can also see it sort of acting um, to fund all sorts of 
things and need like filling needs. Uh, again, I mean, I think I'm not someone who builds tools and, and builds software, but I think as someone who has used software, like I remember someone from Adobe telling me that a way that I had used Illustrator, they just would have never expected someone to use something like in that specific way. And that has to, that's a, I think it was a compliment. It was like, it was a compliment to me, but it was almost more a compliment to them in a way. Like we didn't realize the capabilities that would come with this sort of canvas and these two and these, you know, here's a hammer and nail, like, and then you could, next thing, you know, you know, you've, you've got <laughs> houses and, you know, it's just, it's, it's kind of amazing. And I think that's, I'd imagine that's kind of one of the things back to my question of like, what gets you up in the morning? And it's, even when things are down is that, there's going to be some smarter people than you guys out there who could dream with the tooling that you're building and, and how to how to use it. So I'd imagine, you know, that that has to I don't know, I, not to put words in your guys mouth, but everything you've said sounds to me like the, the prospect of building these things and then handing them over to people and, and enabling them to make a better life for themselves or empower an artist or do something that's just purely mimetic and a funny thing, whatever that's got merit too. I mean, it's all good, but um, I mean, totally. I think the contextualization of all these things, like fully telling the story from like start to where you are now um, paints a picture of the, like the why and like the purpose of, of, of doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I know you, you mentioned, uh, and then maybe that kind of also hits the question I was asking about party DAO versus party bid and maybe where my confusion was that it's just called, party now obviously the growing pains of like company and like changing (laughs) names and like all that stuff is par for the course um i don't know if you touched on the party versus party format yet um i want to make sure to be mindful of time i know we're kind of coming up on that but um you know if there's something i know that's kind of like one of the most recent things that you guys are, are are excited about and be great to hear a little bit more about that yeah, I'm happy to tee it up and maybe Danny flush it out a bit. But I think to our point here, and I think Danny kind of said it better than I could a minute ago, like when you build cool technology for something that becomes really like internet native and, and digital, it's not just like a slightly better version than before. Like I think your point about email or like we don't just send emails as often as we send letters, but now they're faster. It's like it turns out right. we send like a thousand times more emails and they have all types of different content. They've got links, we can start thread like it's a whole different format, actually. Yeah. Um, I think the stuff that's easy to imagine when you have a really good tool for creating a group on the internet that can have value and, and own things and also coordinate socially is you think of all the stuff that you form groups for today and now you can do them easier. So there's all these use cases. We could even tell you more that there's like, there's a million more parties right now doing, sure, uh, yeah, yeah, not a million, but there, there's a lot of parties doing even other stuff, yeah. buying NFTs, trading tokens, investing in artists, like, all this stuff's there. But I think there's also like the new and novel thing that like you literally couldn't have done before. It's not just like a better version of what you used to do, but it's like uh, parties aren't just enabling a better utility for the thing, but can they be used in like creative, unexpected, even like entertainment use cases? Yeah. And so we're really interested in seeing those experiments happen ourselves. And some, again, actually, this is a practice that like Danny brought to party down from the very beginning, which is every time we launch a product, there is like a clear thing that you can actually go do to try out the product and see what yeah, it's capable yeah, of. Yeah. So we just launched this product party. It's a multiplayer for Ethereum. The first kind of like activation that we put together was this thing called party versus party. So 
it's not forming a group for any like serious business purpose. It's actually like almost a little bit sarcastic, but it's two parties competing in an on-chain art battle. Mm. So uh, this is really playing like to the crypto audience, I think. Yeah, definitely. Like, it's like, like a, a great place party. to start. Like fun things like this is probably where you yeah. guys often are going to find yourself it's, starting to prove it out. Yeah. And honestly, like in, in a bear market, I think like the crypto native users are who's around to, to try stuff like this stuff. Mm. You know, like That's a, a good, that's a good point. So yeah. you do kind of have to yeah. like find signal where you can, but in this case, it's um mm. two parties. What are they going to do? They're in a battle versus each other. How do they, how do they fight this battle? By minting NFTs. Uh, both parties create an NFT project on Zora and whichever one gets the most mints wins the contest and wins like the prize pool of money that went into the mints. So again, it's meant to be like a very lighthearted, fun way for like two groups of people to ephemerally like come together, make something creative, try to like market it and hype it up. It's like playing to the crypto kind of meta, but it's just a way to show things that can happen in the product that it's not just like a better way to do something you were doing last year. It's actually right, right. a new format. Um, yeah, yeah. It's cool to experiment with. I, I think um, yeah, what one one point that you brought up earlier, just around nouns, and then just like uh, you know, uh, maybe there's something cynical about just like constantly accumulating capital and the North Star maybe feeling um, uh, like, like it, you know it doesn't do justice like that amount of capital. I, I think maybe one lens to look at that through is that uh, people are so hungry for the behavior of just being in a group on chain that they're willing to like invent excuses to do it. And they're just like, let's just like put a bunch of money together. So like literally the DAO is like, we're just gonna put money together and we'll, we'll like see what happens. Yeah. Uh, and there isn't necessarily like a, a like a, a, a super clear North Star about like what the purpose is or the goal is. And maybe one reason why that is, is like currently there isn't a lot to do on Ethereum. Uh, it's like a theme park with two rides, like define NFTs. And like what you want is a theme park with like lots of different fun experiences that are, you know, you know, maybe like show you different things and so on. And I think part of part of the bet that we're making here is that like there's going to be a rich diversity of different things to do on Ethereum. And you're going to want to do those things socially with with other people and uh, what those things are are going to be pretty unexpected. I mean, j just to give you another uh, example of like what people have been using the product for, and this is a much more crypto native example, but like in Nansdao, someone built on top of it, a, uh, something called go governance pools where people can take their noun and they can delegate it to a smart contract to the governance pool. And now their vote on a particular proposal is up for auction. Mm. And this has now become the largest voting block within nouns. I think there's like 61 or 62 nouns delegated to this smart contract. So every proposal, all those, you know, 61 or 62 votes are, are up for auction. And so now someone created a party with a bunch of other nouners. I think it's like 18 people and they are bidding in those auctions in order to move like the votes on those proposals. And uh, they're talking about it like, hey, we're, we're doing like a white knight service here to kind of like help bring these like more altruistic proposals, like, you know, get them over the line and so on. Uh, but that's like a, you know, uh, party smart contract interacting with like a smart contract that was built on top of NASDAQ, like the kind of like early composability things. Are, <laughs> yeah. Well, like the early composability yeah. things that we're talking about on Ethereum, like, yeah. uh, you know, th th this is, this is like, this is starting to happen. And even though like that particular use case might have like a relatively small audience, um, 
you know, w- one reason that you like focus on crypto native users, like you might look at the market and think of like it's smaller or it's like not super active, but uh, the, those people are like defining, like, like if you're yeah, a believer absolutely. in crypto, like those people are the ones who are defining the behaviors that like will eventually become mainstream. So today, like everyone knows how to type like HTTPS, like, or, like, you know, like, 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 like people have like developed that muscle memory just to like sure. do idiosyncratic things on the internet. These like random things that like most people don't understand like why they have to do them, but they do them. Uh, and I think the same is going to be true for crypto. Like there are certain like ergonomics to crypto that are being defined now that mm. uh, we think are going to be adopted like very, very broadly uh, when the technology like gets more traction. Yeah. Yeah, when you paint it as sort of building for the unknown, I think it becomes sort of a, it it lets you kind of just dwell in that sort of, you know, kind of space of just kind of dreaming because we're building for something that we don't know people need or even want yet, um, but they will someday. And someone's got to build it and we see the promise and, and and we're starting to see enough use cases from like the core base that it keeps us interested and is, is fun. Um, and the hope is that, you know, that continues to sort of multiply and that someone at some point comes up with a, a novel way to use what you've built in a way that you guys never saw possible. And then that sort of further kind of pushes you to do another thing and then just kind of keeps being additive to to each other. And I think, uh, I don't know, this is like for someone like me who has pretty limited, like I would say very layman's sort of understanding, like certainly more than like just the average person who sort of like generally knows what an NFT is, but not enough to, you know, be sort of participating in like the building and the development of what you guys are doing. I think, uh, you know, getting to this point in this conversation and, and feeling like I like a lot, like a lot of it has been sort of peeled back and helped me understand like, you know, what, what you're doing here and, and, and like why, um, has been uh really really good because I, I like i honestly like just sort of uh backing out from the fourth wall i guess from it when i do these interviews and i talk to people like if i get to the end and i'm like i don't really understand like, i don't really understand any more about what you're doing here than when we began like the conversation with luke you know with worm emoji like was really enlightening <laughs> for me as someone who's an artist who has a, sort of a very vested interest in seeing royalties persist and be a thing that was part of the original sort of excitement and promise to a lot of artists was that you know and and granted this you know i I thought you were about to say you ended the conversation with them we're like i have no idea what he's doing (laughs) no no it was it just it helped me uh understand why things can and cannot be a certain way and then why it becomes incumbent on a platform to build and, and and sort of set their own rules and then hope people use that platform to enforce what was sort of this promise made to a lot of artists, whereas it can't just be enforced on, on chain. It has to be sort of enforced on like a platform side because yeah. otherwise like there's no really, there's no way to sort of know who's selling what. And, and it just, it, it enlightened me uh, enough to know like just enough. And I use the analogy of this is maybe weird, but um, you know, kind of, learning about, you know, what you guys are building and hearing it kind of, it makes me think of, you know, when the first time that uh, I was on a plane and turbulence really actually freaked me out, like at another level than it ever had previously. It was really only a couple of years ago. And I remember sitting there Googling about turbulence and reading a pilot's account of like what it was. And I real like I, I slowly was getting like less nervous as the plane was shaking because I found myself like, kind of wrapping my head around like what what I was experiencing that I didn't previously know because you know what you don't know is a little bit weird or scary or whatever but 
Um, and I, I think about that a lot, like as I've navigated understanding NFTs and, and crypto in the last mm, couple of years, yeah. um, this stuff stays intimidating sans sort of education and it, like just like learning or listening just enough to sort of feel enlightened um, to a certain point kind of opens the door to want to ex explore or get creative or or see uh, the viability or the purpose of, of what people are doing. And this isn't all to say that I was like, I don't really get it from the beginning. What's the point? Yeah, like I'll talk to these guys. <laughs> you go, do a really good job though, both of you like kind of painting the picture of like where you've come from and like why you're building this and like why it stays exciting even just, you know, despite things being maybe in a sort of pessimistic state or the sentiment around NFTs and crypto are certainly not at an all-time high, you could say. Um, but I think like, you know, understanding all this and and for me, you know, I hope other people listening kind of get to the end of this like, oh, that's that's super interesting. Like I'm going to go dig. And now I understand a little bit more of the intentionality behind it all. Um, it round, really rounds out like the, 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 you know, the purpose of what you guys are doing. Totally. Yeah, th uh, thanks. And again, uh, I think uh, apologies if we, I, I hope we don't come across as like uh, drinking the cool, like I think there's- No, the, not at all. I think there's a healthy like, cynicism and skepticism yeah. <laughs> within your own industry knowing, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, not I, at all. I don't think so. I think uh, I, I think you easily can come, come across that way. And like, there's something about crypto that always kind of lends itself to that because there's this like financial element to all things in crypto and whatever. But I think it is really worth um, just maybe making the point that um, crypto or not, like, I think I'm glad you brought up AI or, or maybe like maybe a broader tech industry thing of like crypto or not, things go through waves of being trendy or not trendy. And if, if when things are trendy, that's when you work on them and then they're not, that's yeah. when you like, that's honestly, if you do that, you can have a really great career, but I don't think that's how you're going to build something long-term that's really worth building. I think sure. yeah. in, in all things in life, you're going to have to push through some psychological like difficulty to get to the place that that's special. That's what makes it hard. And um, yeah. especially with tech, I think the question is just like, what what's worth building that feels cool uh, and um, that feels important? And for us, I think uh, even from like a pure tooling side, we're really excited about the future that could be enabled by specifically parties uh, being used and being uh, the best tool for people. So um, yeah, may maybe you have to overcompensate a little bit with with conviction to, to get there because otherwise you go, uh, maybe you go crazy or get depressed or something. But I think um, being really clear about that vision from the beginning of Party Dow till now has uh has kept us excited and yeah. and uh yeah there there's a meme in crypto of like build, builders builders keep building or you know whatever that's kind of funny and cringy but uh yeah that, that, that's what I'd say I guess yeah absolutely well thank you guys for the time I really appreciate it um I'm sure there's plenty of other stuff that like we could have gotten into but I feel pretty happy to have covered off on on so many different topics and this is perfect because i mean i think again like you know the audience that i i think about listening to this are somewhere like on the spectrum of me where i'm mostly you know an artist but i have i'm, I'm really interested in you know in this stuff but don't know enough you know to actually do it but i know enough to be curious and and like want to learn more and then people who can really like probably listen to this and know, know all the stories you already told um and uh and everything in between 
and we'll be able to kind of, you know, like have a, have a new appreciation for, for what you guys are, um, building and, and what you're up to. And I, I think it's exciting. Like, it makes me, I want to go on and, and see all the different parties that are happening right now and, and, uh, dig in a little more. Um, certainly I didn't even leave time to uh, let you talk about, you know, tennis or anything. My apologies. Yeah, I was going to say, if you need a... <laughs> I was going to say, um, in other news, Novak won today, so we could talk about that. I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, if we need another, if you need another, uh, two to three to four hours of content on your podcast, sometimes just, <laughs> yeah, me, just tell me to talk about tennis. that'll go on the, that'll go on the Zora Patreon. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll throw, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's for the true fans only. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's for the Zora only. That's for the party out only fans for you. Guys. Thank you for bringing it up. Though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, love it. Um, Thanks for having us, Chuck. This was great. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Um, And we will, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys soon. Have a uh, good week. And this will be coming out pretty soon. So there won't be like a long delay in talking about this stuff and then apologizing for, you know, five months early recording date. No, don't. That's exciting. (laughs) All right, have a good one. All right, take care, guys. Thank you. Peace. Bye.